Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like a raven. If you're not feeling a little bit nervous, are you really living? Some sage words from the greatest field goal kicker of all time, Justin Tucker, who knocked in the final kick in overtime to give the Ravens another heart-pounding victory, 34-31, at the bank against the Minnesota Vikings. I am Antonio Barbera, struggling to get through this regular season, one of the most hectic in Ravens history, and I'm here with my two co-hosts to go through yet another crazy game. First of all, on the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, I don't, I don't know. How, are you okay? Are you sitting? Are you standing? Are you on the floor? Is everything all right? Uh, I am okay, Antonio. Um... It took me a while to process uh, what we watched yesterday, um, but I think there's some big lessons uh, we can take kind of away from this game uh, for myself about the Ravens. Number one, football is a very long game. 60 minutes is a lot of time, and this game required more than 60 minutes. Um, there was some text exchange, some things were said. Uh, you know, it looked very bleak at times uh, on Sunday against the Vikings. Yet the Ravens come back and they win this game. And the reason they do is because the other lesson that I am reminding myself uh, and for you, the listeners, the Ravens are never out of a game with Lamar Jackson. Uh, He is playing at an MVP level. Uh, I think, you know, more valuable than he was when he actually won the MVP, at least relative to the rest of the Ravens around him. Um, 
and yeah, as long as he's there, uh, they can win any of these games. And it's produced, as you said, the uh, most um, crazy first uh, eight weeks of uh, eight, nine weeks of Raven season. We're only halfway through this now 18 week NFL season. And yeah, this is just crazy finishes, three double digit comebacks now um on the year and, and that doesn't include a 66 yard field goal to win at the gun uh just a wild year but you know as dominic toretta once said it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile antonio winning is winning so yeah i'm feeling good on uh, this victory monday people used to say first of all we're a minute and a half into this podcast and already two just ridiculous quotes coming out but <laughs> people used to say lamar jackson couldn't come from behind to win games you know back when he was a young pup of only 22 and 23 uh and now that he is the grizzled old vet of 24 uh he seems to do a weekend week out uh let's bring in our co-host from the east coast tim horsey tim how are you doing after another just ridiculous ravens game um well i uh this is going to get gross really quickly. I, I don't really plan what I'm going to say when I when you ask me these things. I've had a lot of bowel movements today because I stress ate so much during that game. Um, I can't do this anymore. This team is exciting to say the least, but uh, I, I watched with a couple of friends and the range of emotions, as I think I've said almost every time the Ravens have a crazy win like this, escalated from... I hate football. This team stinks. The season is over, which I believe I texted both of you at one point to, to like Jay said, you have to believe in Lamar Jackson. You know, if they say, if you come at the King, you best not miss. Well, the comeback King didn't miss today. He absolutely did or Sunday, I should say. So yeah, I don't, I want to say excited. I want to say happy. I want to say I'm feeling good. But frankly, I'm sick to my stomach after all the pizza and spinach artichoke dip and nacho cheese that I had to consume just to get through three hours of a football Sunday. It is. There are times when I want to share our text thread with the world. And then there's other times where it's maybe it's best that it just remains uh, hidden and we pick whatever, you know, specific anecdotes that we want to talk about. But Multiple Ravens fandoms were uh, almost relinquished during a game that the Ravens would end up winning to then have the second most wins in the AFC. And it's just the margin, <laughs> things go up and down with this team, seemingly drive by drive. I was going to say, let me, I'll, I'll share, I'll share my text. I won't, I won't share everybody's text in this group, but just the range of emotions at 1.44 PM seasons over wasted another year of Lamar's career, which Jace, so astutely pointed out, I mean, Lamar's been crap too, which we'll get into, which he made sense. Um, uh, about six minutes later, we called out someone in the organization that I won't talk about. At 2.03, from Tim again, I hate this team. Um, uh, let's see, <laughs> can't say that one on the air. At 2.33, so just a 45 minutes from the first one, Ravens are back. So that is basically just what happened on Sunday. We're, we normally start uh, these recaps with the offense and Lamar, but we got, I'm going to mix it up this week. We're going to start defensively. Um, an up and down day for that unit, certainly. Uh, a rough start, obviously, with the back-to-back touchdown drives to start the game, both with just gigantic plays from the Vikings where multiple mistakes were made by various Ravens that 
touchdown pass to uh, to Jefferson, the deep ball, and then the 66-yard uh, run by Cook on the, on the next possession. But then after that, the old Ravens settle down. Uh, they go punt, punt. They only give up a field goal after the Lamar Jackson interception, where they only give up, or they, so the drive goes negative one yards, and then the Vikings kick a field goal. Punt, punt in the second half. Uh, before the last drive in regulation, of course, as the Ravens have to, they then give up a long drive and a game-tying touchdown. And then they swing back the other way, and they held very well in overtime to force a three and out and give Jackson one last drive to to win the game eventually. So, guys, this unit has been confusing uh, for weeks, for months, the whole season. So many guys have been hurt. Even guys, we talk about the IR guys, even guys that are banged up and come out for a quarter or a half or miss the rest of the game or are banged up for a couple of drives. But it can be frustrating to watch at times. And then they look amazing. So what did you make of just the classic up and down defensive performance against the Vikings? I mean, the biggest thing for me, um, and Jace will be way more analytical with this, I'm sure, and well-measured, and if you listen to Pod Like a Raven, smarter than what I have to say on any of these topics. But it's just, it's so, it's, the tackling was better. I thought the linebackers were better. Josh Bynes is going to play till he's 75 years old and make tackles. And that guy put him, like I said it last week or two weeks ago, put him in the freaking ring of honor. He ended with 11 tackles. He made the final tackle in a Super Bowl. Like, that guy's a Ravens legend. He is, he is above, I just a little bit, but not really. He is above random Raven status at this point, although I think he was a random Raven at some point. I'd have to look back at our at just our adds list to the legacy, Tim. He just was a random adds to Raven the legacy. and then came back to the Ravens. And just keeps coming back and keeps making plays. I thought Patrick Queen was okay. Like, and, and when I say that, we weren't calling anything out that he did terribly negatively. He had he had a couple of good he had, I think it was a either a yeah. pressure or a sack that he had he, as he had well. a fantastic uh uh it was a, on a run stop in, right. in the fourth quarter for an eight yard loss. Really impressive play. Right. And, and the defense stepped up and made the big plays when they had to, I'm, I, you know, I was looking to the text thread at a few minutes ago and was just reminded on one of the biggest plays of the day, our favorite Wake Martindale sent the house and sent everybody and it worked and it was getting pressure at the time when it was needed. That being said, the consistency is still not there and it's the big plays it is. And this makes sense, I guess, for a team that is going to, you know, create a lot of pressure as well. But I mean, this comes from Luke Jones at WNST. I put in here. It, it's all big plays. Dalvin Cook had 110 rushing yards. 105 came on three carries. Three carries, 105 yards. The other f- five were the rest of his carries. 50 of, of Justin Jefferson's receiving yards came from that touchdown. He had he finished with 69, and Adam Thielen only had six receiving yards. They're doing good things, and maybe I still think this defense is bad. Don't get me wrong, especially with the standard that we expect. But the worst part about them is these big plays, which you know is going to kill you against better teams. But that is the thing that maybe they can clean up, and it, we're slowly starting to see the progression. The tackling has been cleaned up again. Now it was really good against the Chargers. It was terrible against the Bengals. It was good here. Who the hell knows what's going to happen in Miami? I guess we'll have to figure that one out. But it's nice that we have an, another problem identified now that hopefully it's something you can fix. And, and as Jace mentioned, you know, multiple times this season, that comes down to the coaching staff. It's the inconsistency that just, I think, 
I imagine it drives the coaches up a wall. It drives me crazy. You mentioned those big plays, Tim. Uh, Jonah Schaefer from uh, the Baltimore Sun, he had a, a, a nice stat that was basically the Ravens have allowed double the amount of 50-yard plays this season already, at least eight, possibly nine, depending on if he tweeted that before or after Dalvin Cook's uh, run. But uh, they've had at least uh, eight plays where they've given up over 50 yards, um, and they haven't eclipsed four in like any of the prior four or five seasons. So this is like unprecedented territory for the big plays and, you know, tackling plays into that (laughs) certainly um, when it comes to giving up big plays, but in this game, and that's, I think the source of all our angst early was these two plays, the Jefferson bomb, the cook run on third down, mind you, they run a, a, a little kind of sweep that, that cook takes to the edge and just, turns it into a, a 66 yard gain. The, these plays, they, they, they come on back-to-back drives early in the game. And it just, I think that was the sense of, Oh gosh, here we go again after watching that Bengals game. And I think that's more than anything, what led to at least my personal angst uh, from this game. But as Antonio said, they settled down. They were awesome. I mean, they didn't allow offensive points again until the final drive, which that also, you know, leaves me annoyed because that circles back to the, the, the big thing we we've talked about of, the, the big play when you need it, you know, we'll get into the offense in a moment, but you have the lead at home, 31-24 at that point. And then to just allow them so easily to go down the field and score. On a, there's a 40-yard pass to a fullback uh, involved in there that we'll have to get into more because it had damaging repercussions um, long-term also. But so that was also disappointing. But, and then you also said, then they step up with a huge, huge stop uh, in overtime after, uh, you know, they, the Vikings, I give them credit, made a great play to pick off Lamar. I didn't think that was really anyone's fault uh, on the offense. It was just great defensive play. Uh, but then they just stoned him three and out ball back game over. So I was, I was, <laughs> I, there were moments I was really impressed and uh, kind of, you know, proud of the way they played. And then other times I, I had my head, uh, you know, firmly buried uh, head in hand, uh, very sad for for stretches of this game so it left me with all different emotions but i do think some strides certainly at least compared to what we saw in that Bengals game yeah the, this defense historically has had different periods where either they were an amazing shut teams out defense multiple seasons then they were the bend don't break defense give up the 10 play drives that end in field goals or the 12 play drives that end in a fourth down stop and no points and the yards look bad but the points looked good prevent defense prevents you from winning the game as my dad cement seared into my brain as a kid well i guess the team listened to him in some in some way because (laughs) they don't do that anymore now they're just like explode or be a wall and there's nothing in between and i'm looking at the point total like you know now it's the yards aren't the big deal now it's the points i mean this game they gave up you know 24 points because seven are on uh the kickoff return to start the second half which is just such a perfect home home game situation where the fans aren't even in their seats yet and you've already given up another touchdown but the last four weeks of this team have been i'm going to say 24 points for the vikings game 41 against the bengals six somehow against the chargers and then 25 against the colts so it's the points are coming there the issues are there defensively they seemingly lose another player every week with now it's deshaun elliott is now out for the season 
they have not gotten Derek Wolf back yet. He was uh, a maybe for this game and ended up not playing. So it's just you've lost so many guys. You now lose Elliott. How, how many backups can you possibly bring in? Backups to the backups to the backups to keep this defense stout enough to keep you in games. And it just is becoming the job of the offense now to outscore other teams. Your defense is going to give up points. They're going to give up a couple of big plays. And can your, de- or your offense now win these games by getting to 30 points? If the offense doesn't get to 30, you may be in trouble. And that is certainly not what we are used to as Ravens fans of the last 20 years. But let's talk now about, uh, about this team offensively. Uh, kind of had almost an opposite flow to the defense. Uh, start off with an okay field goal drive to kick off the game. Then go punt, 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 interception, which was a nice, uh, uh, a nice stretch offensively. Lamar missing receivers, missing even passes out into the flat by multiple yards, uh, one specifically to Hollywood, but other ones as well. Then get the touchdown, classic right before the end of half that may have saved this game in, in a situation where it was 17-3, to three, everything was going wrong for the Ravens, and then you look at halftime and it's 17-10, things were manageable. Um, and then in the second half, the offense is essentially unstoppable. Similar to the Colts game, uh, they scored touchdowns on three straight possessions. Do not punt for the rest of the game. Did not punt in the second half or in overtime. Could have, should have, would have won the game in regulation on their last drive where they're moving the ball relatively well before the uh, Mark Andrews penalty. Um, and then they end up with 500 yards of offense. So what, what is this team? I don't get this team. We're good, but we're bad. We have multiple drives where we seemingly don't know what a first down is and yet end the game with 500 yards of offense, 36 first downs to the Vikings 13. And they ran 89 plays to the Vikings 52. Statistically should have won this game by 20 points. And yet it's a scratch and claw comeback win that you then win in overtime. I don't understand. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense, Antonio. It's, it's okay to not understand. But, you know, they, they seem to have this switch they can flip. I just wish they played like, you know, it's the joke if you would, uh, why don't you build the whole ship out of it? Why don't they make the whole game out of not punting and scoring touchdowns on every drive? Because they were, you said they were a machine in the second half. They were great. They were aggressive. They went for it on fourth down multiple times deep in their own territory. Uh, but I, I thought the play calling was good. I thought, you know, we got, different guys stepping up we had one drive that was just the patrick ricard drive which was fantastic he hell yeah the three biggest plays including a fourth down touchdown uh on that drive um uh that's the the first drive out of halftime um but yeah they to to just seemingly go from stuck in the mud to just the vikings had literally no answers i don't know if it's as simple as the defense finally got some stops and you know that or if it goes hand in hand, you get the ball back more. But I, I thought they were great in the second half. And specifically, I know we want to talk about that more, but like Hollywood Brown was awesome in the second half of this game. He did almost all his damage in the second half uh, and overtime. And to, to just watch it's it's, I feel like you've mentioned it like against the Colts. It was like the zone that I feel like I've almost never seen a Ravens offense in in my life before uh, maybe the exception of 2019 but this has just felt different like I thought Lamar was fantastic in this game I mean his final line 
incredible, you know, all over the field because he truly did it all. 266 passing yards, three touchdowns, and then another 21 carries, 120 yards. Definitely the most we've seen him cut it loose um, on the ground uh, this year. And I, I thought that was also kind of a big key to, uh, to them getting back in the game and, um, you know, getting this win. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of it has to do with – the inconsistency is just one for me. It's the offensive line. And obviously, you know, this is where I'm going, but he was running for his life all game. You know, a lot of these 21 carries, it's the most we've seen him run the ball, but a lot of them were scrambles just getting out of there, you know, not to negatively highlight people, but Ben powers surrendered two sacks, had more pressures as well at left guard. Villanueva is either solid or absolutely getting destroyed by whichever pass rusher is looking at him. It seems like, I mean, the offensive line is bad and you cannot be consistent when the offensive line is bad because as we showed, it is almost impossible to run the ball uh, when your offensive line can't get any push. And then your quarterback is running for his life. Thank God he's the most talented running quarterback in the history of the National Football League. I mean, that certainly helps when they're garbage. Um, So, yeah, and, and I disagree with Jace a little bit. Lamar's stat line ends great. He was fantastic in the second half. He stunk in the first half. He was bad. And look, there's he had he had another terrible pick. There's just it was just bad, and and some of that falls on him. And and we can blame the offensive line all we want. We can blame whoever all we want because we love Lamar. We try and find any other places to blame. It was just like we love Joe Flacco. We always blame the receivers. And then people started hating Joe Flacco. They started blaming Joe Flacco. This is how this works. I. I think objectively he was bad in the first half. He made up for it clearly because he was remarkable in the second half. And to, as we mentioned before, we talked about Dante's Inferno and the rings of hell and purgatory and all that stuff. I am all the way back in on Hollywood Brown. I mean, my Lord, that guy has stepped up at, to an incredible rate. For this team uh this again comes from luke jones one of my favorite guys um you know one of the first guys that i dealt with when i broke into this business so I, he always i always have a lot of respect for luke said hollywood registered his third 100 yard receiving game of the season and he recorded 80 or more receiving yards in five of the first eight games he's 87 yards shy of his total in 2020 and w- we've played what eight games at this point yeah eight games the guy has emerged as a dude. And I think you look at this receiving core. This receiving core is legit. And don't worry, we will get to Odell Beckham Jr., ladies and gentlemen. I promise you. But the amount of things, the amount of times that they're linked, and they're like, once the money came out and it was $7 million against the cap and all this BS, like the, the Ravens talk died down. But there was a lot of people like, oh, the Ravens should sign Odell. The Ravens should go after him. Which is asinine on a whole... We'll get there. I'll, I'll save my Browns hate for later in the show. But you look at this receiving core. Rashad Bateman is a dude. That guy moves chains and makes big catches. Hollywood Brown, I am going to say it now, is a dude. Someone that we have doubted for a while. He is a dude. Mark Andrews is a dude. And then after that, you have guys like Devin DuVarnay, who makes the best catch of the day and is a good compliment piece and a speedster and gives you something different as well. James Prochet is impressed in the little time that he's seen. Sammy Watkins isn't even back yet. The Ravens have a legit receiving core. I, I repeat, the Ravens have a legit 
receiving core. And the the best thing I can say about that in the offensive stance, and, and obviously because of the injuries to J.K. Dobbins and Gus the Bus, that's like the second strongest part of their team outside of the quarterback who's playing at an MVP level. He's at 14 to one, by the way, like eighth favorite. So if you're a gambling man, take him now because he's going to win that award. I'm calling it right now. I, it's remarkable to say, and credit to that offense. I like watching the Ravens passing game. And this is the first time I have ever said that live to friends, to family in secret on a microphone, what have you. It is remarkable to watch them play. And look, inconsistencies aside, I I think the inconsistency stuff, like I said, is the offensive line. But, I mean, Jace nailed it. You got Lamar, you got a chance. And that is just, it's really cool to have that ace in your back pocket, as it were. The Hollywood stuff is... He's so good! I mean, it's not baffling. It's a bit much, but... He's been good most of this season. He's turned it on in the last couple of weeks. And I don't, he looks more confident. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if it's a health thing where he finally, you know, a guy, a speedster with a foot injury. I, it takes you time. I would think to be completely comfortable with every time you plant your foot and try to get a burst and try to cut and not fear that you're going to re-injure it. He just looks more aggressive. He looks like he he's he comes to the ball back to the ball on a lot of these uh, like in routes, where it's just he beats the defender to the ball. He wants it. He's gonna he like snatches it. And then the thing that he did not do for two seasons, he looks to gain yards after the catch, and he's not even going. He man, go back to the highlights of him as a rookie. It was catch and turn out of bounds, or it was catch and turn inside and just drop immediately. And the guy weighed like 150 pounds. So maybe at the time it made sense, but he's not afraid of the hits anymore. He, he's taking some of these uh, runs after catching is leaning into defenders did not do it for two years. And now off of that, he's now able to use his other moves to get by those same defenders. When a, a defensive player is wholly positive that you were going to go out of bounds, it's very easy to tackle you or to push you out of bounds. When that defender thinks you may now cut inside or may cut into him, now he's able to do this stutter step move where he then gets around these guys to the sidelines or not. It's just opened up so many different things for him. And he's turned into a number one, legitimate number one receiver, which I don't think any of us thought at the end of, uh, at the end of 2020. Yeah, some interesting stuff here too. And this is, I, I will admit, this is going to get a little stat manny and a little analytical. So I apologize if that's not really your thing. And trust me, you've listened to this long enough. You know it's not necessarily mine. But this comes from Danny Kelly of The Ringer. We'll know more about football or we'll forget more about football than I'll ever know. We'll put it that way. The Ravens were dead last in passing yards per game in 2020 with 171.2 yards per game. They now rank eighth, eighth in the NFL in passing yards per game. In the pass-happy NFL, the home of Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, Patrick Mahomes, (laughs) bust, they now are eighth with 266.3 yards per game in 2021. And uh, Chris Brown, who at Smart Football, one of these super, super break down the all 22 tape guys at Smart Football on Twitter, if you want to get educated a little bit. He's really, really interesting. He was one of the guys criticizing Greg Roman's passing game and passing scheme last year for basically being middle school, being something that is just not, it's not good enough for the NFL standards. And he tweeted in response to this, 
quote, they didn't really revamp their passing game, but they did make some subtle changes. Particularly, you can see much more freedom that they give their receivers in routes. So basically, it is not a strict, you're running a post route, you know, you're running the deep curl, whatever it is. It is these player these players given the freedom to do option routes. And he goes, sometimes it looks like the Ravens have receivers running in the same areas or bunched up or running less defined routes. They're giving them more freedom flexibility, which isn't always pretty on paper, but the results are. And back to Danny Kelly as well. And something we should mention, talent trumps all. Do not forget the Baltimore Ravens miss on receivers a lot. We know this, but two out of the last three years, they have spent picks on first round picks on wide receivers and Look, it looks like they hit on both of them, which is a massive thing for this team going forward. Yeah, I, it's interesting what you say, Tim, about that sort of just uh, the flexibility, uh, because that was sort of, I think, at least in part or going off of that idea, part of why the Ravens got back in this game. They basically started just taking what the Vikings were give them, you know, seemingly not that groundbreaking concept, but one that we've seen, I feel like the Ravens kind of, not just the Lamar Ravens, just the Ravens forever kind of keep running into a brick wall repeatedly uh, to no avail. But what Hollywood said is uh, about the Vikings. He said, when they're playing that type of defense, we've just got to take what they give us. And that's what we started doing. We started taking what they were giving us. They were trying to take away the deep ball. And you mentioned like those comeback routes that kind of, I think speaks Antonio to some of the flexibility probably in the route. And you mentioned just the, 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 the yak uh, that we used to not see. Uh, this was from Jeff Zerebic. 75 of Hollywood's 116 receiving yards came after the catch on Sunday. It was he's just, yakking. He's was, yakking. He's yakking in a good way. Uh, and just the box score. You mentioned Tim the receiving core. Like this is what this was like. What would you draft these guys? Where you do this is like your dream scenario and pay them what you do. Marquise nine receptions, 160 16 yards for Hollywood. Rashad Bateman five for 52. Mark Andrews. Five for 44. And then, of course, Patrick Card followed up with the, the third most receptions uh, all on one drive. But um, don't laugh about that, Jason. No, yeah. It, it's just, it's incredible that the, the, the strength of this team is the offense and specifically now the passing offense. Um, I will say, I guess, just give him a mini shout out. I did say I wanted at least 70 yards uh, from any running back. And uh, we actually did get that from uh, Devonta Freeman. So that was, you know, encouraging. He got 79. Uh, I actually thought Le'Veon Bell was pretty decent and certainly his best game as a Raven to date. And he had the big, the big run to set up Tucker's game winner, their late 12 yard uh, plunge. But um, so yeah, I'm with Tim. The line isn't great, obviously, but I, I think they can still get some yards against certain teams, certainly against the better teams. They've showed enormous struggles running the ball, but I, I was uh, you know, obviously Lamar did the heaviest lifting, but I was still pleased to at least see, you know, more than 27 yards from the running backs, which is what we got against the Bengals. Yeah, it's it's a work in progress based on the guys they have both in the backfield and on the offensive line. But certainly I think some strides were made, even specifically in the second half, where they just took physical control over the Vikings defenders who were very seemingly gassed by the end of the game. All these all these lovely platitudes against the offense's passing game. And I think my favorite play of the game may have been a run play uh, in overtime. I, I welcome all listeners to go back to the highlights and just go back to OT. Um, and it's Devonta Freeman's 19 yard run late in overtime on the second possession uh, that puts the Ravens in field goal range. 
Lamar Jackson under center. We don't see that very often. They just did a just nice and simple under center, basic handoff to the right. You got Andrews and Tomlinson on that side of the line. And then just pause it as soon as Freeman gets the ball uh, on the handoff. And you just see this nice, thick wall. Uh, you know, if your kids are listening, take the headphones off. A nice, thick wall, 1,000 pounds worth of Bradley Bozeman, Kevin Zeitler, and Pat Ricard uh, just leading Freeman to the right side. And all three of them just smack dudes in front of them. Ricard blocks two different guys. Uh, and Freeman runs clear for 19 yards to put the Ravens into field goal range. It was just the perfect cap to, let's say, a second half where the Ravens offense finally physically took control uh, in the trenches uh, against a defense that earlier looked like they were going to give the Ravens uh, headaches uh, and ended up really, really falling off in the second half. Guys, uh, do we want to do 30 seconds on this Vikings team? Cause I don't understand them e- either. I've watched a few games of theirs now and it's maybe the second game in a row where they score points early and then forget how to score points. I don't know what to make of this Vikings team either in the strangest NFL season that, that we've had in a while. Yeah. Before we move off of the offense, just real quickly, I do want to mention, and we've kind of danced around it, but in the second half, they have, a drive of 10 plays that goes 72 yards. They have a drive of 18 plays that goes 82 yards and over 10 minutes of time of possession. They have a drive that goes seven plays, 61 yards. All of those lead to touchdowns. There's the end. There's five plays at the end of the half there. Uh, they go six plays before the interception and they go another 10 plays uh, in the field goal game winning drive in overtime. This was back to Ravens bullying their man. They averaged 5.5 yards on the ground and it wasn't just Lamar breaking off big runs. He only averaged 5.7 yards per carry. Devontae Freeman averaged 6.1 yards per carry. And Le'Veon Bell, who, to his credit, did decently well. You know, he wasn't hesitant. He was fine. You know, 11 carries, 48 yards, 4.4 yards per carry. You you take that. You take 5.7, 6.1, and 4.4 for your average yards per carry for those guys. With the Vikings, I said it last week. That team is done. That team... That era of that team is done. Mike Zimmer needs to go. They got to figure out something to do with Kirk Cousins because they have weapons. They have defensive stars. I know they're missing some defensive guys, obviously like Harrison Smith and some others, Dan, uh, Daniel Hunter as well. They were missing as well. But they have dudes. Dalvin Cook is incredible. Justin Jefferson is great. Kirk Cousins, I think he's just got the stink. I really do. I think he's just got that stink that you have to get rid of. And Mike Zimmer, I... It reminds me of Billick. It really reminds me of Billick, where it, it has just run its course, and you have to find something different. So I, it's tough because, Antonio, I'm with you. I don't really know what to make of this Vikings team, but what I do know is that it's never going to get better than it is right now with the way you've set this up, even with the level of talent you have. You have to have a shakeup, keep your key guys there, and then maybe you can make a run towards something. But if you don't, you're just going to be stuck in mediocrity. I mean, they are probably based on talent level, individual talent level. They're probably the most frustrating team in the National Football League for their own fans. The, the Vikings' own issues, I think, definitely helped the Ravens come back in this game on Sunday because, like we talked about it, incredible first two drives for them. 14 points. You're up 14 to nothing. It's looking good, or you're up uh, 14 to three rather. Um, you're look. It's looking good. And then you just don't score on a, a touchdown again 
until there's a minute left in the game. Like, and there's just too much talent for them to just like we we've talked about the Ravens defense isn't that good right I think they figured some things out but I clearly there's there's some misfire going in the Vikings because we talked about this they did it against the Browns they scored on their first drive and never scored again the Cowboys they scored uh last week they, they score on their opening drive they never score another touchdown there's something about the the Vikings are able to start quick I don't know if they have a great script and then it just falls apart when they when they have to you know go off script um after you know your first 20 plays or whatever but something's got to change i'm with tim i it definitely helped but you know credit the ravens i think they you know they said it uh best like this team's never out of a game and you know even though the vikings probably should have put this away the ravens kept fighting and i think they believe in lamar uh lamar believes he can win every game and the team believes in lamar um, and you know, I, this was an interesting thing. This is via Jeff Zerebeck from John Harbaugh. What he had to say, um, he said, Kevin Zeitler was talking about it. He's been on teams where you're down 14 points and let's remember those teams are the Cincinnati Bengals and Cleveland Browns. <laughs> um, but he's been on teams where you're down 14 points like that. And you really just kind of know the game is over. Not this team. We're talking about the Ravens. It's like nobody even bats an eye, shrug your shoulders and let's go. Let's go. The Ravens were always be in a game with Lamar. It will kill me. It will kill me sooner <laughs> than, uh, uh, you know, if every game was just the 2019 season, it would be, it's the Garden of Eden. That's what I want. That would be what I want football to be. That season was so uh, incredible. But no, instead we're on this wild roller coaster of a ride. But, you know, six and two, six and two, and the Ravens first place in the AFC North. The last thing I want to mention, I, I said it a bit earlier in the podcast, but Deshaun Elliott out for the year because the Ravens can have nice things. He uh, tore, what is it, the peck and something and else? bicep was what is Harbaugh believed. After. Seemingly on one play, um, which poor, you know, poor guy. Um, and we, in response to this, we received uh, a question from one of our listeners and we thought it was worth uh, bringing up here as a debate. Uh, and it's from Chris May. So Chris, thanks for uh, the question. Thanks for listening. And it is, uh, if you could have, if you could have one person off IR, which at this point, it's like pages of names, uh, who would you pick and why? Uh, so I'm going to ask my co-hosts first. Uh, and just to jog your memory, it's uh, Peters, Elliot, Fort, Dobbins, Hill, Edwards, Stanley, Boyle, Wolf, and others. And we'll just stop the list there because those are really like the starters. And there's a couple of guys who are on sort of IR for a month, not for the whole season. I didn't want to bring those guys up. So I turn to you guys now. Uh, thoughts on if you could have one of these players back on the team right now, who would you pick and why? I'll be quick. I mean, it's Ronnie Stanley. Um, it's it, that. He is a premier left tackle. I know the one time that we saw Villanueva right, it didn't work as well. But even if you have to kick Villanueva into guard or put him somewhere else, you have Ronnie Stanley fully healthy, which we haven't seen in a couple of years now at this point. A premium left tackle that you just paid oodles and oodles of money, um, which is looking worse and worse by the day, unfortunately, because the guy can't stay on the field. For me, it's that. He fixes everything. He makes the running game better. He makes Lamar not have to run for his life all the time. I know it. the sexy pick would be like a J.K. Dobbins. We'll see with Deshaun Elliott. I think Deshaun Elliott is a massive loss. As 
you talk about a guy that consistently wants to hit when the rest of the defense just kind of wants to do it every other week. Um, I think that's going to be a massive, massive loss, especially when you're putting a rookie in. Brandon Stevens basically played for him most of the time. We barely saw any Jimmy Smith. Maybe that's a resting him on a, for a short week type of thing to get him in against the Dolphins. Who knows? But it's Stanley for me. A premier player to premier position, that's who I'd want. I thought about Stanley, um, Tim, for those reasons. I will say Villanueva at right tackle. Antonio and I were in the stadium for that. It was not good. It was bad. It was bad. So that concerned me, certainly. Um, And the other thing with him is the line, as we kind of talked about, has, you know, against bad teams can run a little bit like the Chargers, but turns out everyone can run on the Chargers. So uh, maybe that was a bad uh, measuring stick. But um, I want, I mean, Dobbins and Edwards would just be so incredible. I want to see it. But for me, the actual pick is Marcus Peters um, because I think he's just the playmaker that isn't there on defense. Um, you know, we've seen so much over the years who made the final pick uh, in Tennessee to win that game last year in the playoffs. Marcus Peters, he bats away the bat, the pass to end the game against the Bills a few years ago, multiple pick sixes in his first season in 2019 including a huge one against Seattle that swung that game. I, I think he just is the, the, has the ball skills that pretty much no one else <laughs> on the Raven, in the Ravens secondary has and kind of is the, like just a source of turnovers that we're missing. Now, we've talked about he wouldn't help at all their tackling issues, but um, I, I still think he, he, he brings such a positive. And clearly his, his skills on the outside, I think, enabled you know them to do I think interesting things with uh, Marlon Humphrey and just I think makes their defense so much more dangerous because they can just kind of entrust him to one whole side of the field more or less and let everyone else kind of figure out the rest and it just helps the defense out so much so my pick Marcus Peters when we first discussed this question uh, before recording I joked that any anyone is who (laughs) is who my pick would be just having any other real starter on this team would be just useful and a bonus but for the purposes of this exercise um at first i wanted to uh just sort of be that annoying uh podcast guy and say it's actually lj fort is the guy we need most because we need a tackler and we don't have that but weirdly Bynes has kind of taken his exact role and done a pretty good job considering his history as a random raven then I wanted to say Stanley, uh, but it's kind of like pluses and negatives as you move players along. Would you rather have an above average left tackle and a below average right tackle, or would you rather have an average left tackle and an average right tackle? And I, I'm not sure the math on that actually is uh, as true as I'm making it out to be, because then of course, uh, McCary, who was doing pretty good as the right tackle, he also got hurt and is on IR, so I don't know if that argument still holds water. I, I was going to say, just real quickly, yeah, the right tackle now is very below average, and I believe Alejandro Villanueva would do a better job than what we're currently seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for variety, I was going to continue and say, I, I guess it'd be between Peters and Dobbins, but I just watched a game where Lamar Jackson had to run the ball a lot of times uh, and run and take hits a lot of times. And I was going to somehow end up with JK Dobbins being the guy, because he would just be taking carries away from Lamar Jackson 
and turning them into positive yards, breaking tackles, which our current group of running backs really does not do because they're all basically either, you know, out of their prime or no longer get carries because they miss assignments. And I'm talking about Tyson Williams here. So weirdly, I kind of want J.K. Dobbins, uh, another playmaker on offense, a guy that's going to turn zero yards into five yards, um, would immediately be by a mile the best running back on the roster and would have Lamar Jackson run five to seven fewer times per game and get hit five to seven fewer times per game. So weirdly, for variety, I'm going to say J.K. Dobbins, but I just want any of them. I just want healthy super Ravens back on this team. And it's not, it's not good, Chris. It's not good. Uh, six yards of carry last year, Antonio in his rookie year. Um, it, I'll never get over it, <laughs> but there's always next season. And the, him and Goss are going to come back and the Ravens are going to rush for 2,700 yards. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Ronnie Stanley will be healthy. Everything's good. Nothing bad can happen. <sighs> With that, we're going to turn away from this Ravens game and to the rest of the NFL first looking at the rest of the AFC North where we had a little matchup between the Browns and the Bengals of two teams who were looking uh, to, to keep pace, let's say in the AFC North with those Baltimore Ravens and the Browns smack the Bengals in a game that I don't think a lot of people expected. Well, maybe we should have actually, I'm going to backtrack because uh, Tim Odell Beckham Jr. Wasn't, active because he wants to be gone or traded or released so we should have done the classic plus 10 for the browns whenever beckham is not on the field uh so was that our error by not realizing that this was a perfect opportunity gambling wise or or otherwise um i will say as somebody who's been making picks for himself uh waiting till it's legal in maryland let's you know speed that crap up larry hogan uh this was always the browns this was always the browns because you know what Time to say something nice about the Browns. Mark this one occasion that I do this. They made the right call in letting that terribly, terribly overrated Russell Westbrook level player go. A guy who is all about himself, doesn't make the team better, frankly hurts the team, isn't that good as as Jace pointed out to us in our text group. I think his last 1,000-yard season was 2016. I was listening to um, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, not that they need a plug, but he actually made a great point amongst all of his stroking of the New England Patriots that Odell Beckham hasn't been good since Barack Obama was president. And he's not wrong. He's a bad player who is a cancer to the locker room, and they're finally doing the right thing. If you're listening to this late on Tuesday, you'll know who claimed him. But then Odell said, well, I really, really want to go to a Super Bowl contender. Well, guess what? All those teams are smart, and they don't want you because you stink. And it's they made the right call, and because of that, yeah, the Browns are much better without him on the field. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a great receiver. That guy is very good, and he's got a some sort of chemistry with Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's going to tear up the Ravens for 100 yards almost every game for the rest of our lives now. He's just that guy, and he'll do fine against everybody else. Um, yeah, for me, I think this was always Cleveland, and the, the Odell problem – he is just such the stereotypical, like, we're going to talk. It, he, is the, he is the human version of the Browns. We're going to talk about him way too much for how much they actually matter. Like, that's, the, that's what I see him as. And hopefully he goes to, like, Seattle and plays for six games. And then, you know, whatever happens, happens there with him. But 
that's my that's my Browns point. Maybe not as visceral as you would expect. They actually made the right move. Good on them. And it actually worries me that they're making a good move uh, this late in the season here or midway through the season. My other point, and Jace, I'll just throw it to you. Did we overrate the Bengals? Like as as a general media, did did and everybody crown them? They crown their ass like that whole thing after they beat the Ravens, and everybody's thinking, well, they're the top seed in the AFC. Like this Bengals team has got some stuff. Maybe we need to roll back those takes, national media. Maybe it's time to roll it back, and they just basically played their Super Bowl against the Baltimore Ravens and showed out when the team didn't show up. Yeah, and we talked about that Ravens game, but that final score was not quite indi- uh, indicative of you know how the game. Like the Ravens led that game in the third quarter, <laughs> even though the final was forty to seventeen. Like it got away from them, but. I think the you know the Bengals played a good game, but this we've seen we saw this week this week, this league so weird. But it does seem like the Bengals kind of turned into a pumpkin a bit. Uh, you know they lose to the New York Jets bad, um, and then just really not that competitive effort against ostensibly your biggest rival in the Cleveland Browns. Um, Burrow now Joe Burrow now leads the NFL in interceptions that's not great um for them he has 11 picks this year and you know he threw a really bad pick six right on the goal line uh early in this one um so yeah I definitely think the Bengals turned into a pumpkin a bit I don't know if you have more thoughts out on that Antonio I will just say I guess I'll get my two cents on Beckham I am disappointed that the Browns uh released him I was hoping they'd keep him try to work it out and this same a festering soap opera around the team, but they released him in like weird, like Baker Mayfield's numbers have always been better historically when Beckham's not on the field. I don't know if it's even just not trying to force Beckham the ball. You know, there were some reports that emerged about maybe Beckham was <laughs> perhaps doing some, some on-field sabotage here and there, like running just what routes he felt like kind of thing at times. Um, but, uh, you know, um, so I am disappointed that the Browns removed him because I do think it makes him better. And I, we talked about this kind of last year, I think, even when Odell got hurt. Um, it forces the Browns to do what they do best, which is run the ball, because I think they have the best running back in the NFL that isn't Derrick Henry. And he might even be better than Henry, like just his total skills. Like Nick Chubb is freaking incredible. And it stinks that the Ravens have to go up against him so much. He He's one, one of the most underrated players in the NFL, probably because no one likes running backs anymore. But Chubb's, Chubb's incredible. And they're going to feed him and feed him, and they're going to run the ball, and they're going to – now that they're not trying to pass to Beckham all the time, uh, you know, Jarvis Landry, who we've always said is a better wide receiver uh, for the Browns, certainly he'll torture the Ravens and they'll, they'll throw when they need to, but they're going to run and they're going to run and they're going to run and they're going to run well. And it's a problem and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I don't have much to add. The only thing I can say about this game is that maybe the Browns defense is good and the Ravens defense is not, which is what I think Definitely is statistically possible. the case and also the eye test. And so, that just worked out in the Browns' favor where if you can get the running game started early with Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield has to do very, very little. He had 14 completions in a game where the Browns scored 41 points. So that's the uh, the perfect recipe for them. And then let the, the, let the Browns' defense do what they do, uh, which was in this instance stifle Joe Burrow, which the Ravens' defense absolutely struggled to do in a variety of different ways, mainly tackling. But I'm going to move past that because the Ravens are – Six and two, and the NFL is impossible to predict on a week-by-week basis, and we're going to just end the season 
and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, we're going to end the season and it's going to be, oh, that was that weird blowout game that every team has at some point in the season. Uh, the Steelers, the remaining team in the AFC North, they play, they're playing very soon. They play tonight, uh, Monday night as we record. So we don't have much to say about them. They play the bears in a game where who knows what could happen. This could be the Justin Fields show. He could really struggle against that bears or against that Steelers defense. Um, but at the moment, um, as I slowly struggle to bring up the standings in the AFC North, it is Ravens at six and two in first place with a two game lead in the win column over Pittsburgh with four or excuse me, one game lead in the win column with the Browns and Bengals who have five wins. The Steelers technically in second place because they haven't played yet uh, at four and three. So uh, go bears tonight. And uh, let's see if the Ravens can get a little more padding uh, in the AFC North when they have that devastating second half Um, elsewhere in the NFL, the, what was supposed to be one of the premier matchups of the entire season in Chiefs hosting the Green Bay Packers turned into a, a train wreck. I don't even know the, the broken wagon that is the Kansas city offense against the backup quarterback in Jordan love with Aaron Rodgers missing this game because of, I don't know if you heard, but uh, he had some <laughs> COVID things happen in the past week. So he wasn't starting in that game. Who boy, Aaron. Uh, guys, 13, seven chiefs <laughs> at home, sort of a baffling score. Which team looked worse? I don't even know. The Chiefs won this 13-7. to Did they look worse than the Packers, all things considered? I will just say quickly, because I know maybe I won't say your boy, uh, Jace, Darren Rodgers. I think it's the Chiefs. I really do, because Jordan Love looked bad. And for this season right now, you're going to get Aaron Rodgers back. You know, we expect, obviously. It's not like it was a serious season and injury or anything like that. Tested positive for COVID. He's going to do go through the protocols, what have you. Maybe give some more interviews. He, he, Aaron Rodgers Tuesday is a thing on the Pat McAfee show, so he'll be showing up a lot, it seems. Um, but you, you're getting him back, and he is he is an all-time NFL quarterback and is still playing at an incredibly high level. I'm not going to sit here and say the Chiefs are dead because I'm too scared of the Chiefs, frankly. I have too much PTSD with the Kansas City Chiefs over the last couple of years, even though the Ravens did beat them this year, never forget. But what the hell is going on, Jace? What is going on with that team? I feel I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I feel worse about the Chiefs after this game than like to only score to only win this game thirteen to seven at Arrowhead. Like I didn't think Jordan Love looked great, obviously, but he had more yards than Patrick Mahomes by the end of the game. And you know, like he's a rookie quarterback. He was raw. He was a project. That's like why they took him and stashed him and. You know, I'm like, I still have faith that Jordan Love can probably be like a competent QB. The Packers are a good organization. I think they'll figure it out if they have more time. But, you know, he's kind of thrust into this situation. And I obviously didn't perform great, but it's a hard road environment and rookie quarterback, Arrowhead Stadium, one of the loudest stadiums in the league. And it was 13 7. Like, the Packers could have easily won this game. And that makes me feel so much worse about the Chiefs. Like, because I'm with you, the Packers, you know, it hurts just because they, you know, they, 99% chance they win this game if the Chiefs put up the same effort if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. But um and that hurts for the Packers NFC seating, but like they're so far ahead in their division and stuff. I I think it's far more telling for the Chiefs that they are only able to win this game 13 to 7. And I don't know like 
what's happened? Like the the yardage total for Mahomes is just baffling in a game. I mean, he throws it 37 times and has 166 yards, 4.5 yards per completion on 20 completions. Like this is just not that none of those numbers are what we've come to expect from him. And it's just really surprising. And especially like, I believe he's, he, I don't think he leads anymore because Tom Brady, who Tim, I think is going to actually win the MVP uh, because hashtag narrative um, is uh, like Mahomes is still like top three and touchdown passes, but <laughs> the last few games, they've just gone completely silent on offense. It's been very disconcerting. Um and yeah, similarly, I'm too afraid to say they're dead because they'll sneak into the playoffs and win the NFC again. And they're like, ah, oh, it's playoff time, time to play and score 50. But um, yeah, I, this is certainly the most dire, uh, the, uh, the Chiefs situation they've been in since they drafted Mahomes. They're, I feel like just defenses are doing the drop back, double team Kelsey, double team Hill, and then try to beat us. And in there has not been the response to that. I feel like the Chiefs are still allergic to wanting to be, let's try being a run first team just for a minute here while these defenses are playing 10 yards off and double teaming your weapons. Try to run on first and second down and just get first downs. And then defenses have to react to that. And now you're in your perfect situation again. They just seem like they're trying to force being the chiefs as opposed to te- you know as as the ravens said you got to take what the defense as uh hollywood brown said take what the defense is giving you and for some reason the chiefs still not really wanting to do that minus six point differential for them nine games into the season five and four record minus six point differential which seems impossible for them um tim do you have something else about this game? i was gonna I to- say yeah at what point i know we need to move on but i have a very serious point to make here at what point do Kansas City Chiefs hire some, oh, let's say, ne'er-do-wells, maybe some members of the underworld, what have you, maybe some, you know, some Tony Soprano-type guys to go after Jackson Mahomes and take his phone and make sure that they delete all the TikToks and smash his phone up, tell him to not go on social media anymore, no more dancing on Sean Taylor's logo, no more stupid pouring water on Ravens fans. Stop being a, a bunch of words I can say, but I don't feel like editing this later. At what point? At what point? Because that guy, there's something there. Aaron Rodgers didn't like his family either. They, he cut them out of his life, and all of a sudden he's playing at a high level again at 37. Maybe it's time, Patrick, to get your annoying little crappy little brother out and tell him, Hey, stop putting me on the TikToks. Let's delete the TikToks app. And, and by the way, just stop. Everybody just stop with TikTok. We don't need it. It's fine. We, we Our attention spans are shrinking as it is. And that is just making it exponentially worse for everybody else. At what point do the Chiefs, you know, maybe they know that five years down the line, this will come out thanks to a Jeremy Schaap report or something like that. But they just say, hey, nothing, nothing serious. But just steal his phone in the middle of the night and smash it up so he can never do another TikTok again. I mean, you got to think about it at some point. Come on. First first team, all pro locker room cancers. Odell Beckham Jr., Patrick Mahomes' brother, COVID. I, I don't TikTok. Know. 
You can't stop TikTok, Tim. They have commercials on national TV now. <laughs> it's disgusting. Uh, another game and team that I wanted to discuss briefly. And in my notes, I have the um, very well-researched Buffalo what? Uh, I don't understand this team. I don't understand this game. Losers, nine to six against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Bills in the second half of this game offensively. Interception, interception, punt, fumble, turnover on downs. It doesn't seem possible. I, I watched part of this game. Boy, brief story time. Uh, I went to a bar to watch the Ravens game uh, where a good friend of mine works. Shout out, Luis. And um, Shout out. for some reason at this bar, in Washington, D.C., there was a group of 10 Jacksonville fans in, in gear uh, to watch this game and root this for this team, and they were hyped. Uh, and they were doing the Duval chants every time Jacksonville got a four-yard carry. Uh, whenever Buffalo had an incomplete pass, the Duval chants, and they were hoop, you know just hollering. And I was kind of chuckling and laughing, and I texted uh, my co-host here because it was fun to me that a one-in-six team still had a fan base in D.C., mind you, this energized uh, about, about a football game. But I was wrong. They won. So <laughs> props to that very annoying group of fans uh, in a not-very-loud bar making all the noise that you guys made. But I, I don't get the Bills. I don't get Josh Allen. He looks like he reverted back to – Rookie year, I'm never throwing the ball away. Josh Allen um, with the turnovers and the sacks and the loss of yards. Seemingly, they get five yards forward and then 15 yards back. Even so, how does this game happen? How does this score happen? Uh, and Buffalo now five and three. I don't. I don't understand it. I just don't. I just don't think there's a legit good team in the AFC. And we don't need to we don't need to talk about them and wax poetic. You can listen to every other effing NFL podcast to talk about the New England Patriots if you want. But like it's annoying to me that people are like, well, you never know. You could see them come up because they're they have a solid roster. Matt Judon's playing well, as I say through my teeth. And Mac looks okay. And then you get it compounded with the Bills losing to the effing Jaguars and now only being a game up in the AFC East. I just, we talked about this last week during the Ravens bye. The fact that a team we're about to talk about in a second, the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens might be the class of the AFC. And we've watched both those teams play and they're just fine. Just shows me that who knows, or, or this was just the wonky week. Like we, we talked about wonky week eight, week eight last week. Maybe it was just week nine as well, or just the mediocrity is at an, or a parody, excuse me, not mediocrity. The parody is at an all-time high in the NFL. Now, I, I have no other answer for you about how they won this game. Yeah, the Bills have been, like, weirdly just inconsistent, I guess, at times this season compared to where they were last year. It's, it's, it's weird because you wouldn't really know it if you just take the thousand-foot glance. Like, they're five and three, but they're, they're eighth in yards on offense. They're fourth in points scored, and they have the top defense by points and yards this season. Um, but, again, they lost only giving up nine points in area touchdown uh yesterday so i think it mostly reflects uh on the uh on the bills offense you said it well uh antonio i think josh allen just he's not quite as bad as he was the first two years but he's he's backslid i think just enough that it's it's a drop them uh 
in, in some rough situations. And, like, they weren't good at running the football last year. They're not um, especially good at running the football again, you know, this year. Like, they're 11th in rushing yards, and that's fine. But they've still had some games where Allen's been their number one leading rusher. Like, he's still uh, similar to Lamar. He, he carries the load a lot for them when it comes to their run game at, at times. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just they're getting a little less from the offense than they were a year ago. And, uh, you know, as Tim said so well, it's a, it's a parody league. I think this week, I don't even think we'll talk about it, but the Cowboys got hammered by the Broncos. Like it, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird uh, league. Uh, every week's different. Every team can truly beat every team. It makes me worried for the Ravens game this week, which we'll get into momentarily. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it was just a horrible game. And like, similar to what we were talking about with the Bengals, this might be the game you look back at, at the Bills and be like, what the hell happened there? You know, we remember a 12 and four Ravens team that lost to also the Jaguars, I believe was it 12 to seven. I forget that infamous uh, oh score. God. Yes. <laughs> on, yes. What uh, a poll. Yeah. On a Monday night, several years ago. So um, yeah, you know, I think the good teams could just have these weird games and the bills just never got it together. And Allen was bad and that, you know, uh, uh, victimized by the other Josh Allen, uh, as, uh, the jokes online flew, uh, they made some history. The first sack, uh, of a guy with the same name. So good, good on Jaguars, Josh Allen. <laughs> I will say the bills, uh, a super bowl favorite, Josh Allen, an MVP favorite. Uh, they have the best point differential in the AFC by about 60 points. <laughs> and yet, uh, their wins this season, Dolphins, Washington football team, Texans, the good win against the Chiefs, and then Dolphins. Those are the teams <laughs> they've beaten. Not a lot there outside of that. Really nothing there outside of that Chiefs win. Is that a good a win? Game. Right, which we don't even know is really that good of a win, especially based on the Chiefs defense. They've lost to the Steelers. They've lost to the Titans. And now they've lost to the Jags. I don't... I, the NFL, I guess it's fun that, it, that all these teams can win and lose, but it's also maddening when it's your team, first of all, with hectic games every week. And it's maddening if you may or may not partake in, uh, in gambling on the NFL because it's impossible to predict on a week-by-week basis. Uh, guys, the last game that I want to touch on quickly is, speaking of maybe gambling, uh, the Titans, they lose Derrick Henry. Um they have to travel to play the Rams. It's a marquee game. Uh, and of course the Titans just crush the Rams and own every facet of that game and basically end the game by the end of the third quarter. Uh, I, again, I feel like I, this has been the whole episode. I don't know what's going on, Jace. What, <laughs> what is happening in the NFL? Matt Stafford looked horrendous in the first half of this game against the Titans defense. That is fine. Not great not even good maybe just average so how does this happen at home for the Rams yeah I mean I, Stafford sunk them in just such a big hole because those were just two of the most atrocious interceptions on back-to-back plays maybe there was a play in between the picks but within of course about 30 seconds the the, the Rams give up 14 points on a truly we were texting I don't know if it was in our group chat or with some of my other buddies, but there was a group chat where someone said uh, Matthew Stafford looked like Carson Wentz uh, because he did, because as he's getting twirled around by Jeffrey Simmons, who 
completely dominated the first half of this game and the whole game. I believe he finishes with three sacks, uh, interior lineman for the Titans. Um, talented guy, former first-round pick. But uh, as he's twirling Stafford, you think, oh, that's a safety. And then Stafford just fires it almost worse than the Carson Wentz one. At least Wentz's was bad because, like, he threw it with his left hand. But Stafford just fired that thing right arm right into the midsection of the Titans guy, set up a touchdown uh, on the very next play for the Titans. And then he throws a pick six. And then suddenly, you know, that, that's 14 points. Uh, it, it's just a 14 to three immediately. Uh, and then the Titans are able to get another touchdown to go up 21, three and a half. And they kind of just, their defense just kind of locked them down. Like they didn't do the Rams had 347 yards, which isn't, you know, an extraordinary number, but the Titans had 194 yards in this game. And they, and they, like, <laughs> they didn't do anything on offense, but it was basically Stafford gave them 14 points with just two awful interceptions. And then it just, the game just kind of happened. Like just nothing happened like the rest of the game. And like the Titans get it, uh, you know, they get it. Uh, it's 21-6 after three. It's 21-9 midway through the fourth. Like, the Rams just never got anything going. Like we said, sort of with the Bills, they get a garbage time touchdown late. But the Rams were just out of sorts, and the Titans just took advantage. And, you know, I don't I don't know how great they are, but they're 7-2. and two. They're the best team in the AFC and probably have the clearest path to the top seed in the AFC, even without Derrick Henry. Because I was looking this up the other day. They still play – the Jags at least once, if not twice. Um, they, they have the Texans again. No, they have the Texans. So that's what it is. They have the Texans twice, um, the Dolphins, the 49ers who are bad. Uh, yeah, the Jags, and then they're, like, at the Patriots. Like, the, that's they have at least, like, four easy wins. They already have seven wins. And it, it just seems like things are set up nicely for them. Um to take the top seed in the AFC. And that's scary if Henry is able to come back for the playoffs. Um, you know, who knows if he can or if he'll be healthy enough to. But it's a scary proposition. So I'm scared of the Titans. I don't like them. I know the Ravens beat them in the playoffs last year. And I have confidence that the Ravens can beat every team and also lose to every team. So um, I, I, I just – I don't like the prospect of them getting that top seed and maybe getting Derrick Henry back. Um, but, you know, credit to them. They, they find ways to win So in similar sort of ways to the Ravens in many ways in that respect. If there's a guy who has the injury with a six- to ten-week timetable who comes back in six weeks, I feel like it's Derrick Henry. So I, I, <laughs> It's concerning. Uh, it's, it, it's a concern, to say the least. Um, all right, let's get off of the NFL. It is time now for the Random Raven before we preview Ravens-Dolphins. Tim, you are up this week, so who do you have for us? I have a guy that, admittedly, I thought we had definitely covered before. And I looked at our – we keep a big tally just to make sure we don't double up. And he wasn't on there. So this is – I am fully confident both of you are going to get this man. I believe we've mentioned – no, not quite. I believe we've mentioned him before as a player who um, should be a random Raven and just none of us have done it yet. So here we go. Clue number one. This two-time All-American and former first-round pick played eight seasons in the NFL with three different teams. Clue number two. He only spent one year in Baltimore, and unsurprisingly, that season was the worst of his career posting career lows in receptions and receiving yards. Clue number three. 
during that one season in Baltimore, which ended up being his last in the National Football League, the three Ravens that had more receptions than him were Ben Watson with 61, Mike Wallace with 52, and Javorius Buck Allen with 46. I know at least one of those is a former random Raven and probably two futures. He finished the season with 40 receptions and 440 yards. Clue number four. This player played for Andy Reid with two different teams. And Reid even attended this player's wedding. They were very close. I just That's a fun nugget that's not going to help you, but I saw that today doing research. And clue number five, the easy clue that might help you here. Other notable players to wear his number are Dante Stallworth, Rashad Perryman, and never forget Pinocchio himself, Elvis Gerback. I do have a bonus clue. It's more of a tidbit that I think is interesting. It's not really going to help you. It might help you a little bit, but we'll save that for the end. I think I have it, and I'm astounded that we haven't done this guy. <laughs> I was shocked. I was stunned that we haven't done this player. Yet. It's funny that he was so close with Andy Reid because in his season with the Ravens, he got about as much separation from defenders as Andy Reid would get if he were playing football right now. So just a perfect pass-catching, let's say, random, str- struggling random Ravens. So thank you for... Thank you for the PTSD, Tim, and we will answer that at the end of the episode. But first, let's preview a game that I did not realize was this week. I'll admit, Thursday night football. Ravens traveling south to Miami to play the two and seven Dolphins, who were sort of a a potential sleeper playoff team before the season started. They're not that. They're not good. Uh, they had basically sandwiched their seven losses with the Patriots win in week one and then coming off of a Texans win on Sunday where they had Jacoby Brissett start for, a, I guess, a late scratch of Tua Tagovailoa with a fracture in his middle finger on his throwing hand. Brissett then led this Miami team to an eight-point win against probably the worst team in the NFL where – there were turnovers galore uh, and the game was way closer than it ever should have been versus with the Texans playing against any sort of competent team. So I turn to you now, guys, is this the trap game that the Ravens have been uh, scared of for the past three weeks? No, because the dolphins are bad. (laughs) Um, You know, this is how you like, don't pay attention to week one dolphins beat the Patriots in week one, as you just mentioned, and now have just been absolute garbage since, um, I remember on this podcast talking about the Dolphins being a potential playoff team and saying, quote, I believe in Tua. I don't believe in Tua anymore, guys. I don't think he's the answer. I don't think he's the guy. Brian Flores, another one of these coaches who is highly lauded as some guy that was going to make this team better. And boy, they just stink. Their offensive line might be the worst in the National Football League. And that's saying something as a Ravens fan. Um it seems like they're supposed to have weapons that they can't get the ball to. Jalen Waddle's been okay, but like, all right, great draft a wide receiver when that's your biggest problem. And the defense just hasn't been that good either. They have just been a train wreck all over the field. So for me, I mean, I don't even think we need to go offense, defense, and tangibles on this one. I just think the Ravens are a better football team. Lamar beats the, well, you know, there was the Lions. He usually beats the piss out of the worst football teams. And I think they're going to do that again on Thursday. Yeah, my my concern for this game does come with it just being, you know, short week, 
uh, a Thursday night football. You're coming off an overtime game. But I will say it's not a trap game because your next game, you're playing the Chicago Bears. So if you're overlooking <laughs> if you're overlooking the Miami Dolphins to travel to Chicago in 10 days, like I, I, I just don't I, I just don't see that. But you know, Tim mentioned the Dolphins just do nothing particularly well. They're 28th in points scored and 27th in points against. So that's um that's how you get to two and seven. And yeah, I I I mean I think there's an easy case to be made that this is the Dolphins are the most disappointing team in the NFL, I think, because they, they come off they come off a 10 and 6 season last year. They win their first game and then now here they sit, you know, halfway through the season at two and seven. And they don't even have their own first round pick. They have the Niners first round pick, which also might be a decent pick. We didn't really touch on that, but uh, um, yeah, they've just been really disappointing. They don't do anything well. The, the Tua's health is a giant mystery for this game because no one really knew about this injury, like really until just hours before Sunday's game. So no one has any idea when he got hurt really, but you know, fractured index, a middle, middle, excuse me, fractured, uh, finger on his middle finger not good that's the one that touches the ball last so they seem to not be like too concerned like they seem to think or at least Flores seemed to indicate he might be ready to play for this game and it was almost like precautionary so maybe it's not too bad but I don't know I still you have like if if the Dolphins are starting here's what I'll say I like the Ravens chances either way the Dolphins are starting uh, a quarterback who literally has a fractured finger on one of his his most important fingers on his throwing hand. Uh, that seems bad. And also then their other quarterback is Jacoby Brissett, who, you know, competent backup, but he hasn't been able to, you know, string together much of anything. You even mentioned this game. They have five turnovers in beating the, the, the Texans, who themselves had four. Nine turnovers between the two teams, most in a game and five years uh, total turnovers. So just a sloppy game. And then I take solace in the Ravens historically have great success against the Dolphins in the recent years. The last time they played, um, you may remember they defeated the Miami Dolphins 59 to 10. I don't expect quite that, but for whatever first reason, game in the pod, like a Raven era, by the, the way. very first game, Lamar, the not bad, the, the, the literally the not bad for a quarterback game. So we've come a long way since then as both a podcast and a Ravens franchise. And, uh, yeah, I'm just very – I don't want to say very confident because I'm never confident in the Ravens, but I'd be abs- – I will say I'd be absolutely stunned if they lose this game. Oh, boy, those are famous. We're going to – Tim, make yeah, a note of Both of us are optimistic. This that is in the podcast. We'll clip yeah. that and just play it at the beginning of the next episode. Yeah. It's just – I mean, we're not going to do offensive defense intangibles as we normally do, but I'm looking at the Dolphins offensively, and there's just not a lot – there there's just not a lot of weapons that scare me Devonte parker probably their best pound for pound player uh he's on ir he's gonna miss this game the wide receiver i don't even know which quarterback i'd rather have play uh, i'm curious to hear your guys thoughts would you rather have as as jace mentioned the competent backup in uh, in brissette or the i don't know uh failed expectations starter first round pick starter uh i i kind of I think I'd rather have Tua, weirdly, in this game. I think the uh, the quarterback that is trying to be, you know, his, the game, his game is based off of accuracy, but he hasn't really been that accurate in the NFL, and he can't really scramble as much as he did in college because the NFL has gotten quicker. He's not very big. It's just everything sort of seems to be uh, 
underwhelming in his game. And I kind of like that in, in a Ravens matchup as, a, as opposed to Brissett, who if he starts in this game, there will be three throws that he makes that you're just sort of scratching your head. How did the Ravens not pick that off? Or how did the Ravens not stop it or something like that? So I think I'd rather have Tua. But looking at the rest of the offense, there's just not a lot there. In that Texans game, the Dolphins uh, ran the ball 25 times for 47 yards. That's an average of 1.9 yards per carry in a game they were leading against one of the worst defenses in the NFL. I just, I don't know how they score points. I don't know how they hang uh, with the Ravens offense and uh, not to jump into the gambling section, but I am heavy on the Ravens at minus seven and a half. Would have loved it at seven. Uh, You know, you don't like that, that half a point, but in this modern NFL where two point conversions are happening, kickers miss extra points all the time. Um, I'm okay with that extra half point in a game where I feel like the Ravens maybe end up winning this by 20. So we are, we're, let's, let's turn now to the gambling section. And if you guys have, have other stuff to, to say on this game, please uh, you know, drop it in, but I'm taking the Ravens at minus seven and a half. I haven't teased. Uh, I haven't done a tease in, in the last couple of weeks. Time to bring that back. So I am going to tease the following three teams on a six point tease. And you'll be surprised that the first one in this tease is the Baltimore Ravens. Love a good double dip uh, in in this type of game. Uh, And so I'm teasing the Ravens down to minus one and a half. Uh, That will cover. Um, The other two games that I'm putting in this tease is are the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They travel to Washington. I'm moving that line down to minus three and a half. Uh, The Bucs, I think they rebound nicely from their sort of gross ending against the Saints. and I think they win that game comfortably. And then Arizona hosts the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are bad. They won a couple of games early in this season, and they sort of, I think they're hanging on to the, the memories of those wins. They have looked bad since. And I'm moving that line down to minus three. So it's Ravens minus one and a half. It's Bucks minus three and a half. And then Arizona minus three. The teases, uh, they've been the backbone of my gambling strategy for the last several years and I'm turning back to that now uh and I should have a third pick and I'm kind of in between a couple of games so I'm gonna I'm gonna let my co-host maybe I'll just do two picks this week and I'm gonna put everything in uh, on the Ravens basically to uh to dominate this bad Dolphins team so I, I turn to uh to you Jace now for your picks uh and any other comments on this Ravens Dolphins game well, Antonio I have to do three picks because this was I believe my first three and a week of the year last Here we go. Uh, week and Here a we week go. of chaos somehow uh the the man here who regularly posts the worst win loss records on the gambling went three and zero with the got the Falcons against the Saints the Vikings did cover even though the Ravens won that game and then the Chargers knocked through a field goal to win by three when they were favored by two and a half so um, yeah so feeling good I am also picking the Ravens to cover this um, uh, seven and a half it is a big number but and a short week, but I think there's just too many factors that play in the, the Ravens favor. I mean, you mentioned Antonio, the dolphins can't run like literally no exaggeration. They are 32nd in the NFL and uh, rushing yards per game. And something you don't see a lot of diametrically opposed. The Ravens are first in rushing yards per game, uh, despite um, what we perceive as a, 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 you know, a cratering of the Ravens running game. We're still the number one rushing offense in the NFL. Um, that's just kind of the standards the Ravens have set the last few years. Um, 
This game could get weird, just potentially, I guess, through the air. Although the Dolphins don't really screw. You mentioned the Dolphins just don't have much. Um, you know, they're 23rd uh, passing offense. The Ravens eighth. Um, and the Dolphins have the 30th ranked pass defense. While the Ravens is 31st, I feel like that, you know, that still favors the Ravens in that matchup of bad passing defenses uh, with the Ravens' better passing offense. So I, I think the Dolphins are just in a tough place, and I think it's a really disappointing season. And um, I, I think the Ravens, they still, even if it might be a struggle, it could be sloppy perhaps at times, but I still think they'll, they'll, they'll kind of put the hammer down and uh, win this game, I think, fairly comfortably by Ravens standards. <laughs> Famous last words. But uh, So I have the Ravens by minus seven and a half. But and then the other uh, teams I'm going with, I am going with, once again, the Tennessee Titans are three-point favorites at home to a Saints team that just lost, and we don't know who their quarterback is. And do I think the Titans are great? No, we talked about how they were wildly outgained, but they do find ways to win. They've beaten an, uh, an impressive string of teams in a row. The Rams, the Colts are in there. They beat the Chiefs. They beat the Bills all consecutively. Um, and, and that's pretty impressive. And I think, the, the, the you know, the Saints on the road, that's not – Tennessee is never the easiest place to play. So, Titans by three, I think I think that's a, a spread they can cover, um, especially at home in, uh, in Nashville. Um, so, I'm going with, yeah, Titans minus three versus Saints. And then the other, I am going another home team, Chargers minus two and a half point favorites against the Minnesota Vikings team we just saw um I think the the Vikings will be able to put some points on but you know this game wasn't the marquee game everyone had most of America got the Packers Chiefs game on Sunday so not everyone was glued into the late Chargers Eagles game and didn't notice Justin Herbert go 32 for 38 for 380 plus passing yards he was awesome he completed over 80 percent of his passes he seemed to get back on track. And so that's kind of what I'm riding against a Vikings defense. I also don't think is great necessarily. I think, I think he's going to be able to pick them apart and have a really nice day. So that's why I'm going chargers uh, minus two and a half, even if half the, you know, the stadium is going to be Vikings fans because it's a chargers home game, but uh, a lot of purple, but yep. I still think the chargers will cover that two and a half. Yeah. That one just scared me just enough because it, it smells to me of they don't look impressive. And then all of a sudden we're looking at, Oh wait, do we actually are the Chargers actually good after everybody tried to crown them? Whatever, so worried me a little bit. Uh, last week I did win the Minnesota bet, and I told you Ravens are going to win. Minnesota was going to cover. I lost Dallas at home to Denver, as we briefly mentioned. I did lose Green Bay plus three, but after the Aaron Rodgers news, I did win it at plus seven uh, because the Chiefs just refused to cover games. <laughs> I did win the Chargers, speaking to them, the minus two and a half away to Philly, the one, the rat line that we all knew. And then I also won Atlanta uh, away to New Orleans. So right now, I'm doing pretty good on the betting right now. Um, so maybe maybe pay attention to my picks. They're not doing too bad. And as I say that, they are going to absolutely crater. Starting this week, I've been against them all year because they keep playing close games. I mentioned it in the preview. Baltimore minus seven and a half. They're going to kick the hell out of the, the Dolphins. We'll get out of there celebrate an early weekend for the Baltimore Ravens, even on the short week. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are back and maybe the biggest winners of the week uh, on the bye. And then all the good teams look like crap. And Tom Brady's now the favorite for MVP, as Jace mentioned, minus nine and a half uh, away to the Washington football team. Tom Brady will do the chip on his shoulder game where, oh, it was way too close in the playoffs. And he'll use that as motivation, much like Michael Jordan used to do. And they'll kick the crap out of the football team who are frankly just bad. Um, 
have the LA Rams away to San Francisco. LA is minus four. They need to rebound after that win. San Francisco has not won their last eight games at home. And that goes from two years ago, because remember during the COVID year, they had to play in Arizona because San Francisco kicked them out, what have you. LA needs a win. They need to prove McVeigh has shown that when the team needs a win, they'll rally around. San Francisco is just bad. I think Kyle Shanahan, I think there are real, real questions with Kyle Shanahan and this this label of defense or offensive genius that he's been got or been given. And yeah, they've had a ton of injuries recently, but at some point, man, it comes down to the coach and LA minus four against that San Francisco team. There's I as a guy who was backing San Francisco to make noise this year, they just don't have it. And whatever it is, injuries, coaches, Jimmy G not playing well enough, what have you. I think LA minus four is a good bet there. And then for me, um, I have it as a question mark. Jace picked it, so I don't have to, and I already have the three. But the Tennessee minus three is fishy to me. If it's still Trevor Simeon, which it's probably going to be, it seems like a rat line. And just like the Chargers one was, we took it anyway, and we were fine. I'm sure I've been making picks for myself all year just to keep track. I'm sure I'll take Tennessee minus three. And maybe we're just disrespecting Tennessee. And maybe we don't like Tennessee. And I can speak for myself. I don't like Tennessee. Um <laughs> Maybe there's something there where we are still underrating them, but something tells me they have to lose one of these games. They keep beating big opponents. It would be very Sean Payton to have Trevor Simeon tear up Tennessee and they end up winning or at least keeping it very, very close. Uh, it's a rat. If it's a rat line, Tim, give me a piece of cheese. Uh, I'm, I'm jumping in. Uh, I'm, I'm, I listened to my two co-hosts here, which I did last week also after my, uh, just really rough stretch picking Ravens games. I said, you know what? I'm going to defer to my guys. Uh, they both took Ravens to win, Vikings to cover. So I did that as well. And we all got that one. So thank you to my co-hosts on that one. So I'm going to grab your, your two lines and I'm going to put them uh, officially on the board. I like what you guys said. I'm taking the Rams with Tim at minus four, the old rebound game. And then I'm taking the Titans minus three uh, at home. Um, even though it does, I uh, yeah. Tim, there are some concerns. The, the come down to earth game has to happen for a team without Derrick Henry, but it is not this day. So I will take uh, Tennessee as well at minus three. All right. Last thing to do here is answer the random Raven. Tim, can you give us those clues one more time? Sure. Yeah. Uh, clue number one, this two-time All-American and former first round pick played eight seasons in the National Football League with a uh, three different teams. Excuse me. Clue number two, he spent only one year in Baltimore and unsurprisingly, that season was the worst of his career posting career lows in receptions and receiving yards. Clue number three, during that one season in Baltimore, which ended up being his last in the NFL, the three Ravens that had more receptions than this player were Ben Watson with 61, Mike Wallace with 52, and Javorius Buck Allen with 46. This player finished with 40 receptions for 440 yards. Please ignore my dog. She's being an absolute pain right now. Clue number four, this player played for Andy Reid with two different teams, and Reid even attended this player's wedding Clue number five, other notable, I said in parentheses, players to wear this number are Dante Stallworth, or his number, excuse me, Dante Stallworth, Brashad Perryman, who just got cut again, by the way, and Pinocchio himself, because he never bent his knees when he ran, Elvis Gerback. And our final clue here, uh, bonus clue that I just think is interesting and might help you with the college, is that this guy is now the head coach at his high school alma mater, that is Kirkwood High in Missouri. So if you needed that last clue, that might've helped you there. You both had it. So Jace, I'll go with you, buddy. What do you have? 
So the name I had was Jeremy Macklin. Antonio? Uh, I'll concur, yes. It is Jeremy Macklin. Congratulations, gentlemen. I, I couldn't oh, remember the college. That kind of surprised. I remember him being good, but not two-time All-American good. <laughs> but in the length Ravens, of career, also. The, the Ravens have always been you know, close to the cap limit, fill out the roster with guys that then play maybe better than you expect. But just at the time, that just seemed like we have exactly, I don't know, 900K left until we hit the cap. Who's available at 900K or a million or whatever it was? And it was, oh, Jeremy Macklin. Is he good? And is he still good? Nope. But does he fit under the cap? And is he a wide receiver? Yes, let's try him. And it did not work. Tim, it did not work as, it, as many it, other re- receivers have. Just what a bleak receiving situation. What was what year was that, Tim? 2017? Do you know that? Uh, I believe it was 2017, yeah. Because, to... yeah, be, like then 37-year-old Ben Watson, he'd been in the 2017. 2017. Okay. So Ben Watson, like close to a 12 to 13-year vet at that point. Mike Wallace, who's like 10 years in, Jeremy Macklin on his last legs, and Buck Allen. Like, no wonder that offense was so bad. Like, that's what, like, not that Flacco would, not to defend Joe Flacco for the 20 millionth time, but, oh, man, that, that's a bleak receiving room and uh, offensive situation uh, there. It's, that's tough. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll try to pivot away from that in that we now have – Hollywood Brown. We now have Rashad Bateman. We have Mark Andrews. (laughs) Mark Andrews. We have so many good running backs that one day we'll be healthy and be back on the field. Uh, And we have Lamar Jackson. It's an offensive weapons. uh, And this team is, is good. Maybe, uh, but six and two in first place in the AFC North and playing on Thursday night football listener. Don't forget Thursday night football against the Miami dolphins. Thanks for listening to pod like a Raven. We will see you. Later this week, with a bonus episode, we will be coming to you on Saturday, recapping the Ravens game against the Dolphins, because we got to bring you that, that good content. So we'll be back on Saturday and then again after the Sunday games. So again, thanks for listening to us, and check us out this Saturday after the Ravens-Dolphins game. See ya! Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.